With so many new articles coming out each month, who has time to read them all? On each episode of this podcast, we cover one article in the academic field of game studies in 15 minutes or less. Maybe you're an academic looking for a way to stay current in the field while also spending some time on the treadmill. Maybe you're an avid gamer or theory crafter working on expanding your knowledge of game studies. Either way, listen in and listen up. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Game Studies Review. I'm Alex Lane. I'm joined today by my favorite human being on the planet, my mentor, my hero, my god, uh, Sam Blackman. Sam, tell me about yourself. How are you? Who are you? Tell me Tell me everything. Wow, that that is high praise. I appreciate you. So uh, I thought of the god thing because we <laughs> did that. You did that presentation on how to kill a god. Yes. Do you remember that? that <laughs> I was do. Like, Oh my God, that was so fun. Peter Dinklage. Okay. All right. So who are you? How are you? (laughs) Well, who am I? Um, I am uh, an associate professor at Purdue um, in the English department. Actually, I'm in rhetoric and composition. Um, Let's see. I do game studies. Game studies is my jam. Um, I I don't even know who I am. It kind of threw me off. Um, (laughs) I am also co-founder of Not Your Mama's Gamer blog and podcast with Alex Lane, who is an amazing human being. Um, we just celebrated our 10th anniversary of the uh, podcast um, in January of this year. I am also, um, I'm also a content creator. I'm also a content creator. I create content on YouTube and I create content, uh, content on Twitch because I think that doing the thing that we study, doing the thing that we write, a talk, write about, talk about, theorize about is very important. That's kind of Oh, and we are going to get into that idea absolutely today. <laughs> um, so the article that we're focusing on today and probably will deviate a little bit is called Replaying Video Game History as a Mixtape of Black Feminist Thought. It was published in Feminist Media Histories, Volume 6, Number 1 in 2020 um, by Sam here, Dr. Samantha Blackman, and Treandria uh, Russworm. So yes. super excited to dive in. I'm going to give a little summary of the article some of its major contributions and you just go ahead and shush me anytime I'm, uh, I'm not uh, representing your article appropriately. And uh, then we'll get into some questions. All right. Um, So the summary of the article, I want to start the uh, summary part with a quote from the, uh, how do you say this? Combahee collective? Oh, yeah. The Kambahi Collective, yeah. Kambahi Collective. Um, The quote is, if Black women were free, it would mean that everyone else would have to be free since our freedom would necessitate the destructions of all systems of oppression. Um, This this quote you have towards the beginning of the article sort of underwrites the entire entire thing and really gives it uh, a, this social justice, this um, equity, this meaningful um, force throughout that really um, anytime someone would start to think, well, they're talking about games, you're reminded of this really important idea that you start off with. And um, I thought that was so impactful. Uh, the article rewrites rather, I will say refocuses because rewrites sounds as if like we're changing it, but really like refocusing Um, because it was focused by white men for the most part. The history uh, of video games, the dominant narrative there. Histories of uh, games have often omitted the gaming 
uh, that was always happening in the circles of black women. And the article dives into the stories of several black women who were deeply entrenched in the emergence of video games. And it does it in this amazing mixtape format um, and challenges the notions that we have as, of scholarship. Um, do you think that's a fair summary? I think that is a very fair summary. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kambahi Collective um, quote. So Trey uh, is one of my favorite people to to is one of my favorite people to work with to write with uh, because she and I kind of uh, kind of agree on so many kind of. Uh, foundational ideas when we're thinking about when we're thinking about game studies or social justice um, period right so uh, we were trying to think of something to frame the piece um, as we were thinking through it and thinking about it um, and she actually came up with the the com the Kambahi collective quote and it just nailed it and I'm like that's it we're running with that that's great um, and then uh, it was it was pretty simple to see everything just kind of fall into place uh, after that. That's so cool. It, uh, gave me goosebumps as I was reading it. And I also got goosebumps from the, uh, lyrics at the end of each one of your interview sections. It was just, like I said, it just really like, like shows how, how embodied and how to the heart, like all the issues that you're talking about are, and this is very different than this, like fake objective, uh, type of scholarship that I'm so annoyed with reading right now as we were talking about before we <laughs> began this podcast. Um, so some of the major contributions that I see um, happening in this article is it redefines what academic work is, I believe. It it has play, it has uh, leisure time, it has um, work, you know, uh, you, you interview the person who owned the coin-operated, uh, the Black woman who owned the coin-operated um, uh, arcade and and like putting putting that perspective and those people um, that were actually doing games in you know the 70s and 80s at the center of of um, what you're studying in the video game history I, I think is uh, is a really cool way to to rethink history as opposed to this dominant narrative that is not true or satisfying at any point. Uh, It remixes video game history, um, like I was just saying. Uh, It examines the co-emergence of the video game industry with contemporary Black feminism happening happening similarly. And one way, one, if you were to read the history of video games, would think totally separately, but not separate at all. Uh, I now know after reading this. Uh, Reframes video games as always already mediums of cultural revolution, um, which I'm finding more and more um, people taking up this call that you have throughout that are looking at revolution through games. Um, And what I thought was most helpful for me, which I'll talk about in a little bit, is that it gives the reader hope for the future of gaming um, recast from the black feminist perspective. Uh, It was, it was very hopeful in a, in a time that isn't very hopeful. So anything you want to add to that? Um, I think you kind of nailed it. Um, And, and, I don't want to. I don't want to scoop you because I know that this question is kind of coming, right? But the 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 black feminist mixtape just made sense, right? Um, because if we think about like the history of the mixtape, right, and and the way mixtapes have been been used historically is is kind of this melding of this amalgam of kind of different things of work, of play, of music, right, of joy, of sorrow, of all of these things, um, and it just 
like I said, when we when we when we chose that that Kambahi Collective quote, um, everything just kind of fell into place underneath it because that is that same thing that we're talking about. This kind of intersectionality, right? So if we uh, if if Black women are free, when Black women are free or in order to free black women, it's gonna necessitate the destruction of all the system, system, systems of oppression. So it shows that interconnectedness, that intersectionality in the same way that in many ways, mixtapes do. Yeah, you describe the mixtape genre as um, discursive cultural remediation, a tool of resistance uh, for economic and cultural purposes. And it was so powerful. Um, as you're reading throughout, I, I don't know, maybe like if people's people's brains work this way, right? Like you're you're usually, unless you have some insane privilege, you're sitting there working, you've got a kid next to you, you've got a cat next to you, you've got the neighbor mowing the lawn, you've got all sorts of stuff going on as we have all going on right now while we're doing our academic work. Um, mm -hmm. And so these academic thoughts are always being penetrated with, uh, let's see, let me rephrase that, are always being uh, overlapped with, with things happening in the in the real world and that your the the genre that you pick this mixtape idea highlights that i think it's just so much more impactful mm -hmm. makes scholarship so much more interesting i love it um it was also way more interesting <laughs> was it fun to write <laughs> it was um it was to a certain degree um because as as and i'll say no the article itself was fun to write the logistics were not always fun uh, because as mm. you know as you mm -hmm. know i am a night person um yes. my brain doesn't kick on until 10 o'clock at night mm -hmm. <laughs> and then um and i'm and i'm and like that's prime writing time from like 10 to 2 or 10 to 4 in the morning um Trey is the exact opposite. She gets up at like 5 a.m. and starts to work. So we had to find mm -hmm. um, kind of a time that we could both like be uh, present and cognizant. Um, and then sometimes we just like switched back and forth. Sometimes we worked at night. Sometimes we worked early in the morning. And sometimes we just kind of hit it right in the middle of the day because her like sweet, sweet spot is like 6 a.m. for writing. And I'm like 6 a.m. I'm, I'm just two hours into my in, into my sleep. And uh, so, yeah, but it was a blast to write. It was a blast to write, especially when uh, thinking about thinking about and talking about the music. Yeah. That's so cool. And um, I, I think about all the work you've done while having a kid too. Now I have two kids, very young. And and I don't know, like I knew you when P was pretty young. I was your student. And I, first of all, never, ever even appreciated a fraction of what <laughs> it's like to be a, a academic and a mother. Um, and I just, I can't believe how much you accomplished also raising this like kick-ass kid it just blows my mind just it's absolutely it i apps i just a just phenomenal how you're able to do that um so the the way you frame self self-care uh play as self-care in the article mm -hmm. and then you redefine how we think about self-care of the audra lord was was really revelatory for me um do you want to talk a little bit about how this idea of play as self-care uh but self-care is being like this form of um, of uh, activism, sort of. Um, can you talk about like how that played out in, in the work or where the idea came from or in your life or anything like that? 
Well, <clears throat> Audre Lord says the self-care is revolutionary. Um, that is never more true than when talking about Black women. Um, <laughs> because the notion of caring for self, especially caring for self through games, which, uh, I mean, games as, a, as an enterprise, games as a practice, gaming as a practice is always seen as frivolous um, and is seen as being the thing, the things of children, right? Um, so to uh, ask someone who lives in a world where childhood is not allowed to them, even when they are children, because young black girls are not allowed to be children, right? They are always, um, they are always uh, made adults way too early. They are always over-sexualized, hyper-sexualized, et cetera. Um, so that is not that is not a thing that is allowed to black women at any point in their lives. Um, so and then to say that, yeah, we get to take these games, this thing that is the thing of children um, and give it to people who are not allowed to be children um, is is. Oh, my God. Is just uh, revolutionary to a whole nother level. Oh my God, just the way you're framing that, especially in the context of the things that are happening uh, in the world to to black children right now is just, it's, um, yeah, it's gives me a lot more goosebumps than, uh, than tradition, reading a traditional scholarship about the definition of, you know, play or something does, <laughs> does for me. But uh, that's, um, that reminds me of, uh, I, inter I interviewed Shira Chess. Uh, she wrote Play Like a Feminist a couple weeks ago. And she frames play um, and leisure activity as a way to fight the patriarchy. And she does mention that it's, it's often impossible for Black women to be able to do that. But you, um, you have, uh, you also talk in the article that Black women often omit the work they're doing in play and that they play in, entirely because um, because of the, what you just talked about this, they're not supposed to be playing. They're not supposed to be gaming. Um, but play has been such an incredible part of your ethos as a scholar. Um, you're very defiant about it. And I've seen you take shit. I've seen you take shit before. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, maybe, maybe you were, were, um, you know, bothered by it, but you certainly never seem to be, you certainly just seem to make your back straighter. Uh, so, so can you talk about, this this idea of play as being part of your identity especially in the face of online harassment hate from from academia and from the game industry right the academia isn't exactly accommodating either but but why why is play so public for you that's a great question um and the the funny thing is is that I don't always I I know what you're saying and and most times is that yeah it is very much an act of defiance, um, but it doesn't always feel that way in, internally. Um, I don't feel as strong internally as I try to project externally. Um, Probably especially because I was your student, you were modeling for me. <laughs> Maybe a few birds flipped as certain people walked out the door or something. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and like fuck that, let's keep gaming. Yeah, let's yeah. Go. I mean, it's, it's something we've got to do. And and why do and why for me the why for me is is all about representation, right? It's all about representation. It's all about making um, myself visible as 
a black woman in a gaming space um, so that it can be easier in the future for other black women, black women, black femmes, black non-binary folks in gaming spaces, right? Because um, black um, men and to some extent black masks are more acceptable in gaming spaces because gaming has been framed as um, as the stuff of boys. Um, so yeah, it's been extremely important for me just in terms of visibility, in terms of representation, in terms of changing the face of the space so that we can also change what goes on in and around that space. Yeah, that's the make because you could game in, in private. I mean, a lot of people do, and it'd probably be a lot less work and you'd take a lot less crap, but but you yeah. don't choose to do that. You're always on gaming in public. It's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you. My toddler's over here banging sand around on the deck. Uh, so uh, if you were to say, I want my readers to walk away from this piece with one message or with one call to action, what would that be? Um, one, if I had people walk away, one message would be the understanding that um, nothing that we create in any way happens in a vacuum. Right. Um, and that we are influenced by all of the things that go on around us have come before us. And to some extent, the things that come that will come after us. Right. In terms of us thinking about what effect we have on the future in some way, shape or form. Oh, that's um, so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, because one of the things for me, the music um and and the thought of the the black feminist mixtape when we when we first started chatting about this, it made perfect sense because this is not my first piece um, that I've done. Uh, it the first time I did it was it was I didn't call it a mixtape, um, but it was um, a piece that looked at uh, Lincoln Clay from Mafia Three and Luke Cage um, as anti heroes. Um, but it was set it was set in much the same way in terms of thinking about it through song lyrics. Um, that was one of my favorite pieces ever to write. Um, and uh, but it's just the, it only came to me because when I was writing and trying to write this piece um, is I started to jot down like in the margins of what I was writing, what song, what song was uh, playing in my playlist at the time. Um, and I went back one day when I was like really stuck and I started to look and I was like, I can see how that song could influence what I wrote here. Um, but it's not just the lyrics of the song, but it's what the song makes you think, remember, feel, historicize. Etc. So, right, we just thinking about the fact that, like you said, right, that we we don't um, we don't exist in a vacuum, and that you know we might have a toddler playing in the sand next to us, or we might have cats fighting in the corner of our office while we're doing things. But all of these things can definitely make us think about um, can make us think about important things that influence our work. It's uh, my brain works on. Uh, you might have heard me say this before, but that old Bing 
search engine commercial does anybody uh, the Bing search engine commercial started out it was like hey I'm looking for you know mufflers and then it was like oh yeah mufflers mufflers are also scarves scarves oh yeah I've always wanted to take up knitting oh look there's a craft <laughs> store oh I'm gonna buy this thing on Etsy and now back to you mufflers I gotta fix my car right so that just kind of weird and seemingly unrelated set of search terms search uh search results, and even just the ways those things are interconnected, it all goes back to um, the interconnection, the intersectionality. Um, and since my brain works like that, things like music just make perfect sense to me when I'm writing. Well, and if you think about like even the work in new materialisms um, and quantum, the, the quantum mechanics stuff, they're showing more and more that everything is being influenced all the time by the things around them, the noises, the material, the the Wi-Fi connectedness, like things pushing back against you. And mm -hmm. it's such a shame that scholarship has become this thing that pretends to be in a vacuum. Yes. Um, but you're rewriting that. So, um, so what do you think is the thing you loved the most about this? Um, honestly, it was just like taking the time. One of the things that Trey and I did like early in the process is we literally made a Spotify list. Um, and the, the, uh, the piece even includes like a playlist, right? Mm -hmm. um, a playlist of stuff that we were listening to while we were, while we were working on this. Right. Um, and, and where our ideas came from. Um, and that was one of the most fun things for us to just go back and forth um, like early on and talk about, oh, we should add this because, right, this makes me think about this. I read this, you know, the, if I went back and listened to the interview we did with this person and I thought about this song and then just making that, um, making that playlist and thinking about how songs that we had listened to way before we even thought about writing this piece um, just kind of resonated with us more because of the words of the women that we had interviewed. I'm, I'm going to do that. Like, like start just including a playlist with anything I write in the future. Like <laughs> it's so genius. Um, so I loved, like, I found myself very disillusioned with scholarship since grad school like you don't have this community you're reading with so you can't discuss and banter and argue about and then these articles like they just, just seem that you read they seem so useless and this piece even though I read it alone like I felt like I was sitting there having a conversation um it's like authentic and meaningful uh, and engaging and uh what kind of drew me back into the scholarliness and the rigor of of this kind of work in like a very friendly way that that I just haven't felt in a really long time so it's like it's weird because it's like more rigorous than so much academic work that's dry but it's yet but yet it's this mixed um mixed media mixtape thing that is actually really accessible which is like which is just really cool and I want I want game studies to be like this and I love that the article ends with hope um as you know doing NYMG for so many years like it can often wear on you when you're constantly working to better a community and then getting crap for it um but but this work gives me and your work in general Sam like continually gives me hope of this like connection that I once had that you still seem to have every day as you go out on your just awesome mixer slash twitch uh feeds and the interviews that you do at not your mama's gamer with alicia it's just really cool um 
so that hope was really important. That was I love that very much about the article. Um, anything you would change now that you're a year out? Oh wow. Um <laughs> I think uh it's it's funny cuz uh Trey and I were just talking about uh, we we're just talking about this cuz we we're working on something uh something else together. Um is I think one of the one of the things we were like, you know what? That could have really have been like a series of articles. Um because there's so many things that we covered um but just to be able to like break it out into like smaller chunks and do like a series of articles to talk about different um like components that get covered in the article itself um and then bringing it all back together um in some in some in some more and not in more meaningful but in a meaningful way um i think what if i in a in a perfect world in a perfect world i would i would read every single word of that like a like a women <laughs> what's the book is it women in game development where they just sort of have an interview mm-hmm. uh, with with all with all these different women but focuses on the experience of black women gamers yep and and entrepreneurs in the gaming industry that would be so that would be so cool next project you heard it here first um so, <laughs> so bottom line as a field, game studies needs to do what Russ Worm and Black men call for in this article, which is sit the fuck down and listen to the experiences of Black women. The game world has too often been masculine, white, toxic, pushing back against anyone who threatens the nice straight line of history that we delusionally tell ourselves. Um, and this work hopefully is one in a long line of incredible scholarship that will disrupt that false narrative. No pressure, Sam. Long line of incredible scholarship. Keep it coming. Um, <laughs> So thank you for listening to our review of Replaying Video Game History as a Mixtape of Black Feminist Thought by Trey Andrea, uh, Russworm, and Samantha Blackman. Sam, thank you so much for being here. How can our listeners support the work you're doing? What can we do for you? Wow, good question. Um, So um, NYMG is still a thing. Um, Listen to the podcast, check us out, see things that we're doing. like I said, I also I also stream on Twitch. Um, since the close of Mixer, I'm streaming on Twitch. And I do a fun thing once a month um, where I bring a game study scholar on um, to on stream with me to talk about their latest work and play video games with me at the same time. Um, I've had some great folks. I've had, well, Trey's Amazing. been on there. Um, Kishana Gray, uh, Amanda Phillips, uh, Amanda Cody, um, and to talk about her latest book, uh, game. Uh, whoa, what is it? Gaming feminism. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see who else has been on. Um, if I don't write it down after having babies, if I don't write it down, it's it doesn't exist. So I, I it, it doesn't it doesn't exist. Yeah, and we've got a new one coming up next week. We've actually got a new one coming up next week. Chris Paul is coming on to talk about his work. So Chris A. Paul. So it'll be fun. It'll Ooh, be. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Do you have a Patreon still or anything like that? People can go donate to. Um, well, there is still an NY uh, an M Gamer Patreon. Yep, absolutely. Um, so you can always find that. Just look for Nim Gamer and Y M G A M E R. Um. But yeah, go put your money where your mouth is, folks. All right. Uh, So thank you again for being here. It was so awesome to chat with you. Um, If any of you listeners have a book or an article you'd rather hear us talk about than read yourself, please email us at gamestudiesreview at gmail.com. 